How are y'all doing? Y'all are doing good? Okay, who's already out of school? I'm just curious real quick. Yes. Y'all are living the lives that a lot of people wish you were living, okay? Who has finals or exams next week? Mmm. Who has it this week? All right, we're all just, we're all just going to take some deep breaths because I have exams this week. We're going to take some deep breaths and just take a break, okay? So everybody take a deep breath with me. And out. One more time. In and out. Oh, my goodness. So I'm happy to be here with you guys. If y'all don't know, we've been going through a series called Messy Christmas. And by goodness, I love Christmas. I just hope y'all know that. It's one of my favorite times of the year. My, all my family gets together. We do wild things. Traditions come along. Raise your hand if you have a tradition for Christmas. I hope all y'all have your hands up. Y'all have to have some kind of tradition. Whether that's gathering in front of the tree with your family, taking a picture, or whatever that might be. I have a lot of traditions with my family. A ton. It's wild. I got to experience some with my girlfriend this past two weekends with her family. They were wild Weird, weird, weird experiences, guys. Um, they cut down the Christmas tree at 7 a.m., and then they make their whole house Christmas in one day. Like, no questions about it. It's so quick. It's wild. But it's a lot of fun. I love it. My family has traditions. The top four traditions, I'm going to walk you all through real quick because they're important to me, and I just want you all to know them about them. But first, before you all get to know me and my family, I want you all to see a video of what my family is like. Uh, there's a video real quick that I would love for them to watch. This was past weekend. That is a five-year-old in the hammock. Yes. This is great. My family supports that. That is how crazy my family is. Um, we set a world record that day. It was wild. But my family is wild. We are crazy folk. We're messy. We're wild. There are a few things we do for Christmas. The first thing we do actually happened that day afterwards. My family kicks off Christmas by decorating the house together, and every kid in the family, every youngster, I'm still considered a youngster, we have to make dinner for the family, okay? And if y'all could take a wild guess, does Eli look like he knows how to cook? No. I don't. I'm, I'm terrible at it, but you know what I'm great at? Pancakes. I can make pancakes like nobody's business. So every year, my family, we all make pancakes while we're making our house all Christmassy together. It's a blast. It's super fun. We make messes, but it's wild. The second huge thing that comes with Christmas is the game called bingo. My family pays, plays bingo every Christmas Eve. All 40 to 50 of us get together in a dining room real close together and play bingo for prizes. At 11 o'clock, it's every 11 o'clock, guys. It's never been different. At 11 o'clock, the prizes get huge. The first round of bingo is $50. You win, you get 50 bucks. The second round, $100. The third round, 150 And the final round, $500, guys. Uh, it's everybody. We all put it in. It's wild. But no, you cannot. Um, fun fact, I have the same cards that I started playing with my first time ever. I keep them. I use them every year. I've won twice. Not really good at it. But my family has wild traditions. The third thing that comes to my mind is Christmas morning. We all gather together. My grandpa prays before anything happens, before any present, because, of course, Christ is the center of Christmas. But afterwards, we get all together. We're opening presents, giving each other hugs, saying thank you. This is awesome. You get those Lego sets that you wanted. You get all those different things. But the super important part is my grandpa wears cargo pants. 
because this man walks around with his pants like, I'm telling you, he's got pockets on his calves for Christmas because he stuffs every wrapping paper he can find into his pockets. And it's a weird thing. We don't even mention to him that he does it, but he does it every year, guys. Super weird. I don't understand it. He's a wild man, but I love him. He's my hero, okay? But the last huge thing that my family does is the day after Christmas called Boxing Day. Everybody say Boxing Day. You see, the winners of the World Cup, they call, um, that's England, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, I just had to, I had to put it out there. Can't wait for Saturday. But in England, you celebrate Boxing Day. That's the day after Christmas. Usually people take that to relax. My family takes that as a family Olympic day. Everybody in the extended family comes in. We play random sports. This year, we got the set list. We're ready. We've been practicing. We've got basketball, soccer, football, dodgeball, and a scavenger hunt. Okay? It's wild, but the scavenger hunt's all around town. It's a great time. And at the end of the day, the same teams, they'll add up all the points from who won. And the team that won gets to have all the leftovers from Christmas, the day before for dinner. And the team that lost gets to have oatmeal. It's a really weird rule that we do, but that's what we do as our family, family Olympics. Um, (laughs) I don't like oatmeal, man. It is not good. But that is what my family does. We are a messy family. Christmas gets messy, and that's what we're talking about tonight. And you're probably wondering, Eli, nothing that you just said is biblical. That is very true. Nothing I just said was biblical. But we're going to make a wild segue to the Bible real quick. So if you have your Bibles, please open to Matthew 2. That's where we're going to be all night long. Super exciting. We are going to be going through the verses of 1 through 12. I'm super excited. This is the story of the wise men. This is the story of them going to visit Jesus, this Christ, this Savior, born unto us. I'm pumped. This is making me excited. So if y'all will, we're going to go verse by verse today because it's super important to me that we understand this story because sometimes it gets skipped over. Sometimes we don't read this part because we want to read Virgin Mary. This is awesome. Then we go to the shepherds coming to Jesus, hearing the angels sing out, all those different things. But sometimes we forget the major part of this. So I would love to read it with you guys. And fun fact before we start reading is This is a unique account only found in Matthew. You won't find it in Mark, Luke, and John. This is only found in Matthew. This story that we're about to read, you can only find in the book of Matthew. So read with me. We're going to do verse 1 and 2 together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of the king Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star as it is rising, and have come to worship him. So, first two verses, we learned a lot of different things. The first thing is we learned who's ruling. We know who's in charge. King Herod's in charge. And I want to give you all some characteristics of King Herod. Because a lot of us forget who this guy was. King Herod, some people called him a unique ruler. Other people just called him straight evil. Okay? You read different accounts of who he is. Um, this guy named Caesar Augustus spoke of King Herod. And he said... In playing a word of Greek, he said that it is better to be Herod's weas, as in pig, than to be his weas, as in son. The reason he says that is Herod has killed two of his sons before, after, um, before he wrote this, and has also had many wives and killed his favorite. King Herod is a wild, wild man. He's not a guy you want to be around. 
He's a guy that a lot of people understand that when King Herod felt something, the whole country had to feel it with him. All of Jerusalem would have to feel what he's feeling. So if he's angry, they feel the wrath of his anger. If he's perturbed, they feel perturbed. If he's upset, he, they feel upset. It's wild, but his people followed him. Now, these wise men come up to um, King Herod, and without respect of him being king, they say, hey, where's this king? And this is the first account we see of who Jesus is to these wise men. The first thing they say is, where is he who is born king of the Jews? The first account of Jesus is he is the king of the Jews to these men. That's huge. They say that to the king, who obviously has some anger problems. <laughs> but something very interesting in that, and I love unpacking things if you can't notice, something very interesting we read and we notice in verse 2 is these wise men actually knew things. Um, you could look back and you could realize that these guys were considered like some of the smartest folks out there. They're the scientists that you think know a lot, but they were also very religious. The reason we know that is they know to go follow the star because we could read back in Numbers 24, uh, 17. Which, you see that flip? That was awesome. Um, it says, I see him, but not now. I perceive him, but not near. A star will come from Jacob. A scepter will arise from Israel. A king will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down the Shethites. We're going to use that word. I can't pronounce it properly. But these people knew. They understood. They read the word and they knew to follow that star. So they saw the star rise and they start following it. They come up to King Herod and they ask that question. And we're going to read in verse 3 that it says, When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. So the country followed him in the field. So he assembled the chief, of pri uh, chief priests and scribes of people and asked, Where would the Christ be born? Now, we're going to take a pause for a second. We now see that not only do people see him as the king of the Jews, this is a little child that we're talking about, they also see him as the Christ. And I love that. I love all these different names they're giving our Lord Jesus in just this tiny passage. He says, where would the Christ be born? And he calls on these scribes, and these scribes, people would call them the people who knew the Bible but didn't do the Bible. Okay? They knew the word but didn't do the word. But they knew the answer. You read in verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because it is what is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. Because out of you will come a ruler who is the shepherd of my people, Israel. They knew the word. They had the answer quickly. And they read out to us Micah 5.4. But they left a little bit out of Micah 5.4. So I'm going to read it real quick. He will stand and shepherd them. In the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord his God, he will live securely for the greatness, and it will extend to the ends of the earth. So we read that it will be in Bethlehem, and we read that Jesus will be there as a shepherd for the land of Israel, but also to the people from the ends of the earth. What I love about this, what I love about this little strict part of Matthew 2, is that is a hint straight to Matthew 28. 
the Great Commission, guys. It was right there as a little child. People knew already that this God, you could foreshadow that this young man will grow up to be the man who saves us all. That's fantastic. That's fantastic to hear. And another quick fun fact, because I love giving you all some fun facts in the middle of it all. The word Bethlehem um, can be, what's it called, translated to the home of the bread. Um, and for some of y'all, if you recognize what that means, Christ is sometimes considered the bread. It's awesome. You just read so much in just this little passage of Christ fulfilling all the prophecies by coming down. And these, these um, priests and scribes say this. And then in verse 7 we read, Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them to extend an exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go ahead and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report back to me so that I too can worship him. So I too can worship him. Now, we're going to touch base on what he said in a little bit. But what we now know is these wise men start going after this King Jesus, this, this man who was born unto us. And they follow the star all the way. And after hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen as it is rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Now I'm going to pause real quick. These people, these men start following the star, and when they find the star, when they find the place, that finally stops, and they're standing there in all of the star. They're in joy. They're rejoicing for the fact that this is the time. This is the chance that they've been waiting for. They went to go follow. They went to go find this king, and they're about to be in the presence of the king. So they're overwhelmed with joy. That song that we just recently sang, this past song, I want y'all to know exactly what I feel when I sing that song. My knees get weak, my eyes start to water, and my head gets hot. I don't know why, but every time that song comes on, that's what I feel. But I can assure you, I know exactly why. Because I feel weak in the presence of knowing that he, God, Christ Jesus, came down, died for us, and gave us the opportunity to live life in fear of sin. I'm not in fear of sin. Not in fear of sin because he has broken the shackles. He's given us the opportunity to be with him so we can praise him for that matter. So these men, not even knowing who he is, are overwhelmed with joy just to be in the presence of him. That is wild. And what makes it even more wild to me is sometimes we, as followers of Christ, don't even get overwhelmed understanding that he is inside of us when we take him in our hearts. We don't get overwhelmed with joy when we know he's already with us. I'm going to read what these wise men, <laughs> they are wise men, what they do when they find the presence of him, when they walk in. Verse 11, entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to their knees and they worshiped him. These men responded in action and attitude the minute they felt I'm found him. The minute they fell in their presence, they dropped to their knees and started worshiping him. Remember, this is a little boy, guys. This is a toddler. They, to believe that he's like around three to under. He's young. 
but they drop to their knees immediately and worship him. Immediately. When was the last time we got on our knees and worshiped Christ? That's a hard thing to ask because some, some of us in the room can say never. We're called to humble ourselves just like he humbled himself to come to this earth and die for us, live a sinless life. Let's read what, he, what they do next. This is awesome. So they dropped to their knees and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they first gave themselves up to the Lord and then gave what they had. You see what order they did it in? They didn't walk up and be like, all right, Lord, this is, this is my money. I'm going to give you this, but I'm going to hold on to myself real quick. They didn't do that. They gave themselves immediately and then gave what they had. We read in 2 Corinthians 9.15 an example of that, and it says that we are first to give ourselves to the Lord and then give our gifts. And I like to think of it this way. For some of us, some, some people could be good at sports. Some people could be good at band stuff or whatever it might be. They would be willing to give that talent but not themselves yet because they are a little bit attached to what's still here. They're a little attached to that sin that they're holding on tight to. But these wise men drop to their knees immediately and worship him and give them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I want to talk about some significance to the idea of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Just some things that we could look at right now and just see, wow, that's wild. Gold in that time was considered meant for royalty. Meant for the highest king, highest lord. So they present him with gold, guys. That's wild. Up next, we see that he is given frankincense. Frankincense is considered for the priestly people. For the high priest there to receive the frankincense. But not only is Jesus the high priest, but he is the high perfect priest. He is the prince of peace. And the last one is myrrh. And it's to be believed that myrrh was used in the idea of death. Preparing the body for death. And they give this child myrrh. They give this king, the man they called the king of the Jews, the man who the king himself called Christ, the man who the um, scribes and priests called shepherd. They fell to their knees and worshipped him. And last verse real quick. And being warned in, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. You see, um, towards the end, I'm not going to read any further than I just read, but towards the end, we read that Herod actually took charge in knowing that, hey, something's going to, like, these guys didn't come back yet. So he had every male under the age of two years old killed. And in that moment, we understand, reading this verse, that Jesus and his father and mother left and found their way out because the Lord remains sovereign in the crazy. The Lord remains sovereign in the messy. 
And the thing that I want to focus on a lot tonight, just stick with me for a little bit longer, y'all. The thing that I want to focus on a lot tonight is what these wise men did. I've been here for a year and a half now, and I've loved it. But one thing that these guys did that I wish we all would do more of is drop to our knees and humble ourselves before him and give up what we're holding on to and give it to him. And this isn't me saying that just y'all do it. Trust me, I do it too. I mess up. Everybody messes up in this room. We're all sinful. But what was the point of him coming if we aren't going to give ourselves to him? We understand what he did next. We understand that he came, lived a perfect life, performed miracles, taught in parables, taught in action, and showed us what it would be like as a perfect man, and then soon died on the cross for us, giving himself to us. Now, I was listening to a sermon about a specific uh, verse in, um, it was verse, sorry guys, it was verse 11, um, and he said a phrase that I loved, and this verse is about, how um, they dropped to their knees and they gave all they had. But he said that authentic acts of worship flow from a sincere heart. What we do on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings when we're worshiping the Lord and just singing out, it isn't just singing the words. And I want to focus on that for a second. It's not just us singing out, Lord, we love you. It's a genuine act of worship. Our lives should be a genuine act of worship. We don't have to sing to worship the Lord. Our actions should be a genuine act of worship. And I ask, I pray, in a little bit I will be praying, because I want to spend a good like six minutes praying over you guys later. I pray that y'all know we are meant to worship him. And Christmas is not about our presence, but the present he gave us, the opportunity to worship the absolute Savior, the one who lived and died for us. Authentic acts of worship flow from a sincere heart. So to finish tonight... Um, and we'll finish on a really fun note in a second. But to finish tonight, I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor and stand up. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask our leaders. Y'all are going to do some fun stuff too. Make get you out of your comfort zone. But students, I just want you to put your hands like this. And the idea of receiving. Um, and leaders, I just want us to pray over our students for a second. Um, you don't have to walk up to them. You're welcome to put your hand on them if you want. Um, and I'll close this out in a few minutes, but I want us to take some time to finish this year in a huge fashion of praying that our students understand that acts of worship come through only knowing him and that we are called to worship him. So if you guys will pray with me. Lord God, I just... Tonight, I'm humbled um, 
it's been a pleasure being here with these students. And Lord, I just, I pray that you open their eyes. I pray that some of our students feel that calling of leadership and they take that step instead of sitting in fear. I pray that this month, this year upcoming, 2023, I pray that they take that time and they jump into you. They jump into their word. They set an idea of, hey, I want to read the Bible more. They take those next steps in their faith. If they proclaim themselves to be Christian, let their actions show that, Lord God. Not just in front of people, but alone as well. God, you are strong, you are mighty, you are a savior, and you are the one who came for us. So let us act just as these wise men did and fall to our knees and worship you and then present the rest that we have to you, Lord God. God, I thank you for these students. I thank you for these leaders. I thank you for the impact they've all had on myself and each other. God, I pray that you give us a time to sit and reflect in knowing who you are this Christmas season and take in the messy and understand that you are sovereign over it. Take in the hard and know that you are sovereign. Take in the sadness and know that you are sovereign. Pray that they open their hearts to knowing who you truly are, Lord God. I thank you and I praise you. In your heavenly name.